Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Terry Daniel, and I'm producing this special bonus episode for Ask Dr. Death because it addresses a question that I am asked all the time by my students and by people who attend my workshops about the stages of grief. And I talk about this a lot. Uh, I have some very important information to share about it that many of you don't know. So I thought rather than saying it over and over and over again in all my classes, I would just make a recording that I could share with everybody. So here we go. We're going to start with a little bit of history. As you probably know, in 1969, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a book called On Death and Dying. And this book was based on interviews she did in an informal study of about 200 patients who were in a hospital dealing with a terminal diagnosis. And she interviewed all of them to find out what their reactions were. How did they feel about it? How were they responding to imminent death? And after she got all their responses to her interview, she synthesized it all down to the five most common responses that she observed. And as you all know, those were denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. She published this in her book, and she called them, unfortunately, stages, although later on in her career, she conceded that uh, they are not stages because they're not sequential. And this is the problem with a lot of stage theories is that they imply or suggest that you go through these things in a particular order, or in this case, that you go through them at all. So as you know, that book got incredibly popular. And several years later, in about 2007, along comes a guy by the name of David Kessler, who connects with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. I don't know exactly how that happened. And together, they write a follow-up book called On Grief and Grieving. And uh, in this book, they took those five stages and I squirm every time I call them stages, and they applied them now to grieving instead of to dying. And that is where the troubles began. That book also became wildly popular, and the idea of five stages of grief just took off like wildfire, which was never what those stages were supposed to be about. So let's look at that for a minute. Um, what she was talking about in what she referred to as stages, she was talking about responses to facing your own death. And she listed those five responses, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But there were also many, many others that weren't in the top five. And these would also apply to what we experience when we're grieving. So think about what some other responses to facing your own death or facing uh, grief after a loss might be in addition to those five. And here are just some that come up for me off the top of my head. For example, one response we might have is numbness, shock, which I suppose you could say is a form of denial, but not necessarily. 
if we're looking at the death of uh, someone we love other than our own death, or maybe even with our own death, we might also feel guilt or shame or regret for things that we might have done differently or could have done to save that person or to save ourselves. We might also feel a sense of relief if we're dying from a, an illness that's caused us a lot of suffering and finally it's going to be over at last. There could definitely be some relief, maybe even exhilaration and excitement about what comes next in the next life if we believe in a next life. So anticipation. Uh, with grief, if we're missing someone who's died, obviously there's yearning. These are coming from William Warden's tasks of mourning, um, yearning and, and searching for the other person. There could be a sense of despair. There could be a deepening of spirituality when looking at your own death or the death of someone close to you. And there could also be a rejection of spirituality. There could be social withdrawal, or there can be an increase in social engagement um, as a form of seeking comfort. There can be anxiety, there can be fear or dread. There could be any variety of uh, taking action that you might do. If you are more of an instrumental griever, you might go out and start a foundation or go back to school and become a grief counselor. You might have melancholy. And of course, now that goes into Kubler-Ross's depression. But the point of all of these things is that there are many, many responses that we can have, not just the five that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler popularized. And so we want to call these responses instead of stages. If you are a professional working with grief, please do read some of the documents that I've attached here on the notes here on the Ask Dr. Death podcast page and do some studying on this because if you are still teaching or using the stages of grief model, you are not up to speed or current on the research on grief and you need a little more education. If you are an individual that's not a professional and you're seeking counseling, if you go to a counselor or a teacher or worse, someone who claims to be training you to become a grief coach and they are talking about the stages of grief, run, don't walk to another counselor or another teacher. So getting back to David Kessler now, he had a lot of success, obviously, with his grief and grieving book. And then in 2016, with the permission of the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation or family, uh, he wrote another book called Making Meaning the Sixth Stage of Grief. Now, in many of his interviews and lectures, he acknowledges that the stage theory isn't a thing anymore, yet he comes out with a book now introducing a sixth stage thereby perpetrating the myth even further. So this is why uh, we don't really endorse his work and are a little bit concerned that he has a training program online that uh, will actually offer you a certificate as a grief coach after I don't know how many hours of online training. This is not a certificate that has any validity in the real world. 
you will probably learn a few useful things in that course, but it does not make you a grief professional. So what do we have instead of the five stages? Well, what we have is the current research that bona fide researchers have actually done over the years. So let me talk a little bit about the history of grief theory. And uh, sorry if this is going to be a little bit boring for you, but it's important. So in 1930, Sigmund Freud, the Sigmund Freud, wrote a paper called Mourning and Melancholia. And in this paper, he talked about what he considers to be grief work. And you've heard that expression, grief work. This is where it comes from. And according to Freud, the idea when you're grieving is to deeply feel all your emotions, to cry and feel and reminisce and do all of that. But the ultimate goal in that process is to detach, to sort of shut down the bonds with the lost person so that you can, quote, recover and, quote, move on. And that model was the way psychology did this for the next 30 or 40 years. And that's where we have language like moving on and getting over it. And turns out that isn't the best approach. So what started to happen in about the 1960s is new psychologists and new researchers were coming up with some new ideas. And these ideas, in my opinion, this is my theory now, were influenced by East meets West. In 1950, China invaded Tibet and in that process, a whole bunch of Tibetan Buddhist monks fled their country fled from the monasteries, the monasteries and the books were burned. And all these monks left and they went to India. And then eventually they made their way to Europe. And about the time of the early 60s, uh, their teachings came to America and Buddhism became popular in the early 60s. And of course, grew and grew. And with this new way of looking at cosmology and theology, we began to think about things like reincarnation and consciousness existing in other dimensions aside from the physical. And this kind of seeped into the psychology world because what was starting to happen then is the researchers were saying, well, wait a minute, when somebody dies, maybe we don't have to just cut off our relationship with them. Maybe our relationship with them can continue. And maybe if we feel like the relationship is continuing, albeit in a different form, then maybe we don't have to suffer so much. And so a lot of research was done, and uh, they, they came up with a concept called continuing bonds. So when we're grieving, when somebody dies, instead of cutting them off and moving on away from them, we just move into our new life and we keep them with us in different ways. And this idea is borrowed from many other cultures that have ancestor altars and ceremonies uh, and processes to continue their relationship with the dead. For example, the Dia de los Muertos in Mexico is just one of many examples. Don't have time to talk about all of them now. And so um, continuing bonds was one new idea that we uh, developed at this time. And then some others started to come up through the work of the various researchers. And 
we moved from stages of grief to tasks of grief or tasks of mourning. Or, um, you know, they like to, researchers, academics like to put things in numbers and lists. So we have the six R's of mourning and the four tasks of mourning. And that's the work of Therese Rando and William Warden. I've put some links here on the show notes so that you can find some of their work. It is just very important to me and to other professionals who work in this field that we get this stage theory idea straightened out and put in its proper place because even though some people will tell you that they have found the stages to be very helpful, in general they're not helpful because people expect to go through these stages and expect to experience these responses, when in fact, they're experiencing a whole constellation of other responses that they may not be paying any attention to because they're so busy looking for those five responses. So I guess that's about all I have to say about this. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on Ask Dr. Death.